Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Two More White Dudes with Beards. Hello. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's going. It's, uh... Well, let's not fool the audience. This is right after we've we filmed the first one, so we still don't know if the logo is made yet. It should be. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't think we're fooling anybody, because we're basically wearing the exact same thing. We're, in the, we're wearing the same thing in the, the same, same position. Maybe I'll, I'll turn a little bit so it looks different. <laughs> Put my hands up here and straighten up for you. So what are we going to do today? Today we're talking about Yester Hill, uh, which is part of Curse of Strahd, which is... I haven't gone through Dragon Heist or Descent into Avernus, which I think that's out now. It is, yes. Okay. I've, I've seen it at um, one of our local game stores. Excellent. Um, I I also haven't gone. I haven't seen Saltmarsh, or the Ghosts of Saltmarsh, but I have seen people talk about the Ghosts of Saltmarsh. I've I've seen a couple of really deep dives into that. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm playing through Tomb of Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Um, I played through Curse of Strahd, and I've at like I have at least looked at all of the other published like campaign settings for Fifth Edition, mm-hmm. and I think Curse of Strahd is my favorite because of the potential it has. Mm. I, I'm not sure it lives up to that potential. But I, I think with very little, wor- relatively little work on a DM's part, I think you could make Curse of Strahd a very fantastic thing. Absolutely. I, um, I mean, I've only played a few cam- in a few campaigns, and being a DM for Curse of Strahd is my first ever experience as a DM. It is, and I'm really happy that I get to be a part of that. Yes. It's wonderful. Um, it's super fun. Um, it seems like, I just love the whole idea of, of the, you know, like it's a sandbox. Yeah. Um, you're in Barovia and you have certain areas with, where certain encounters can happen, but I mean. The players get to direct roughly where you go. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot of potential for improv and, um, yeah, just, uh, having fun. So. Fun cast of characters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I li- I like Rictavio. Yeah, uh, he's one of my favorite characters in yes. in Barovia, both to play and to interact with. Like I like how you play him. Um, but I mean, let's be honest, he's Van Helsing. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's Van Helsing with um, a little a little touch of of uh, acting. And, uh, and, uh, creating this, uh... And some Roma hatred. Right. Because we gotta add in some racism. That's that's a little problematic. And Um, don't worry, we're not gonna use the G word. We know it is a slur. Right. Yeah, we're not gonna pull a, uh... Who was that on the news that said that? I don't know. It was recently. Oh... Um, Oh, no, it wasn't on the news. 
So, uh, my wife and I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever watched the show Big Brother. It, it, I have. I mean, it's been on since the 90s, so how can you not have at least at some point? So, I had never really watched it until a few years ago. What? No, because I was just like, at that point, I, you know, I used to watch all the old MTV reality shows, and then I just kind of like, was like, this is dumb. These are all dumb. <laughs> you know, fuck reality shows. They're so... You don't like the real life? <laughs> right. Um, anyway, we got into Big Brother because of of the whole concept of the, the strategy and the social piece of it. Sure, Where sure. you have to be a good liar, and you gotta be able to... To work with people. Anyway, um, the host of that show recently, as she was exiting, or doing an exit interview with somebody who had just come out of the game, she used the G word. Um, like, to refer to their style? Or, like, w- no, what's no, the context? To refer to them being, you know, basically getting Did cheated. She, oh, she used it as a verb. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No. And it just blew And it, there was like there wasn't even like a, there was no second thought about it at the time, but like she got she got a bit of a backlash after that. Uh, but, she should have like but using she's also, it. I mean, she's been the host of the show forever, so I mean, you, people gave her a pretty wide, uh, uh, you know, they let her kind of. They did. I mean, it's not like it affected that she was going to continue being the host or anything like that, but it was kind of lame to see that. Using it as a verb is, like, the worst way you can use it, and that's, that has always been, at least for almost as long as I can remember, like, that it has been known to be a problematic thing to say. Uh, I don't think I became aware of that concept um, up until a couple years ago, and, like, I don't know. Do you know where the G word comes from? Uh, not, not particularly. So, when the Roma first entered Europe, they did it through Egypt. Ah. And they they weren't Egyptians. Right. So, that's where the G word comes from. I see. Um, I say uh, Roma, you know, there's also Romani, and I do know there are other ethnic groups that are kind of clumped in there. I don't know their names, um, so I'm just gonna kind of stick to Roma and Romani, yeah. Because I, I, I know that is part of the group. Um, I, I, I also, my understanding is most of the group prefers being called Roma or Romani, just as Americans prefer to be called Americans and not a slur. <laughs> Hopefully we're getting it right, folks. <laughs> I'm sure you'll let us know if we're not. Um, yeah, no, if anyone of, of, in that culture definitely uh, listens and wants to correct us, please do. Yes. I, I really do want to... I don't know as much as I should about that group. Yeah. Uh, I do know they originally come from northern India. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, ah. But let's go to Yester Hill. Let's do it. Okay, so why don't you set the scene a little bit? Um, what's happening when people in Cursus Rod get to Yester Hill? What is Yester Hill? How do they get there? Sure. So, typically, um, 
folks are like several levels into the game at this point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you've gone through Barovia and Velaki. Yep. And um, I'm trying to think of kind of how the whole idea of Yesterday Hill came up. At least in our game, um, after the party had gone to the Wizard of Wines winery. And we went there because the Blue Water Inn in Velaki, um, they said they needed wine yes. from this winery, and they hadn't been getting their shipments. Yes. So, urgently requested help getting some wine from the winery, which the party obliged to try to do. Um, and after going to the winery, there's a, you know, there's a whole thing about there's the winery. A massive fight at the winery. Yeah. Uh, I think our session was that, I think we've had two sessions where all we've done is fight. And I think that was one of them. Yeah. That I think was we had a one. five hour long battle. Yeah. Yeah. Just one battle. That we don't have a long. wizard, so there's no fireballs that we can throw around. Uh, but there are. It's what, like 180 twig blights? It's a shit ton. Yeah. Like, and there was no place to... There, I was running out of places to put them on the map. <laughs> and they've got like four hit points each. Yeah, I mean, they're just like garbage. Uh, I think they've got like an AC of like 11 or some crazy shit yeah, like that. Yeah, real low. I mean, yeah. It, it's just tedious after a while, like fighting if, them. If you have area of effect spells, it's r really fun to fight them. Mm -hmm. We've got a bard, a paladin, a barbarian, a circle of life cleric, mm -hmm. or is she light? I don't recall. One of the two. Yeah. Um, a monk, and a warlock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that took a long time. <laughs> um, after you do that battle, you talk with the, um, the Mardikov family who run the winery. As well as the Blue Water Inn. Yes, there's a family connection there, and they let you know that something was stolen from them, and, um, they ask for your help getting it back, which sends you on the way to Yesterhill, which is yep. just south of the winery, um, not terribly far, so. No. Not, not terribly long, far. Not a long travel. I think it's there. supposed to be like a couple hours. Yeah. And I think I might have even like shortened that in how I ran it. Um, so anyway. Short short jaunt south. Yeah. I, I don't remember if there was a lot of exposition about what Yesterhill was to you guys or what it... No. Yeah. We never got into the why and wherefores. Yeah. So it's basically... Um, um, a hill that has some, essentially some, essentially like burial ground. Um, um, I, I've got Yester Hill open on uh, my tablet, and it says, it starts off with the druids who worship Strahd as lord of the land and master of weather convene here atop Yester Hill on the very edge of Strahd's domain. Yes. So... Uh, a lot of Strahd worshipping happening at this place. Yep. There's even a wooden statue. Because I don't know who made it or what, but it's, it's a It's like Strahd, a wicker man right? stra uh, statue of Strahd. Yeah. 
And so when the party arrives, um, they see way off in the middle of this gigantic hilltop. So let, let's talk a little bit about the map. Yeah, let's do that. Um, it's a fucking nightmare <laughs> to, try and, to try and run. Um, I think, I don't know if equally, but difficult both in your experience doing it through mm-hmm. through the online um, program and yep. then I did it you know with a tabletop map so it's um, the map that is provided in Curse of Strahd is a one page map and um, you know normal size same size as all the other maps Except there's this little note down near the bottom. One square equals 50 feet. Yeah. One square equals 50 fucking feet. 50 foot square. Um, which means that each square is 250 square feet. Mm-hmm. Which makes it... It makes it 100, 100 normal squares by 100. Right. So. Right? No. It's 10 by 10. Because uh, each square is 5 feet. Right. I did that. I, I went the wrong way with that. So it's, it, each square on the map goes out, it becomes a 10 by 10. And it's massive. Yeah. And you come up in one corner and you have to travel to the center of the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you enter, you go up this hill, you enter, um, or you you approach this big circle of Stones. large boulders. Yeah, with... Know, taller than you are. Going all the way around the top of this hill. Mm-hmm. And there, there's two entrances inside the, the ring. Yep. And, uh, do you want to tell people the fun thing about these boulders? No, I don't remember. The lightning. Oh, that's right. If you, um, actually, I don't remember how the lightning works. Well, I will look it up then. Okay. I think it has to do with if you. Any creature that climbs over the black boulders has a ten percent chance of getting struck by lightning. That's what it was. Taking eight d ten lightning damage. Yeah, it fucks you up if you get struck. And then just the way that you were rolling that 10% chance, uh, I think it hit everyone who tried that. Mm-hmm. And I think in this fight, um, before we got to the climax, and we're, we're going to talk about, about that in a minute, I think the monk in your game, I think she almost rage quit. You think so? She was getting really, really frustrated over there. Um, we all were. Yeah. But she was the one who was taking lightning damage. And, like, her whole concept is move around the battlefield, hit, kill, move. Right. Um, and so... And she was the she was one of the ones who... I, I, I think her... Um, my other game, Pegasus, um, also known as Meg. Um, your wife, Cat, and my wife were met. 
I think they're the three people who need maps the most to help them focus on the game and visualize what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played with Cat enough to know for sure, but it, it seems like it's helpful for them. Uh, Wormat has straight up told me uh, maps are helpful for her. Yeah. And I definitely know that Meg prefers using maps. Yeah. I think my wife, my wife, um, <laughs> it's not necessarily, I don't think that maps are the biggest part of that. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest part is that there's a consistent rule that she can um, take in, and then she like knows how the mechanics work. Okay, so the... So, as the, long as there's the a consistency map, in the, how the, the, map the rules of the map... creates rules that she can follow. Yes. And okay. then she uh, and she takes those rules and then she knows how to work with it, and she usually does awesome and thinks of yeah. really creative stuff. Um, no, I, I I love playing with your wife. She's got wonderful characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. And oh, well, so, I hope you think she's great. You're married to her. Well, she's pretty great. That's <laughs> a good sign. Um. So anyway, I think I drew. I used some graph paper, some one-inch grid graph paper, to try and draw the to draw Yester Hill and the circle of st- of boulders, and um, that's what we ended up doing because of just how frustrated everyone was getting. You kind of put a, a hold on the game and yeah. went and got a giant piece of graphing paper and drew it out. And I actually drew like not just the the top, but I initially I drew I tried to draw. Um, the entire hill, which includes basically two rows of... Um, of cairns. Of cairns, yeah. Um, and, and the another original place. map did not work. And so I think we ended it's up... It's way too big. It was just too much. And it was impossible to try and figure out how far people were moving. Mm-hmm. And how close they were to each other and to the bad guys. And so I think we ended up... I drew, redrew a map that was more focused just on the top of the hill. Yeah, that's what... Um, so a fun thing that you do for this game that I really appreciate is you print out the maps on, on one inch grids and like we, we cover your, mm-hmm. your dining room table with it when we play. And I, I actually love that. Um, it, my home game is a lot of theater of the mind, yeah. uh, which is fine and I enjoy it, but I love the tactileness of maps. Like I, n- yeah. I don't need them. I can do theater of the mind all day. That's what most of my uh, playing and DMing has been. Yeah. But there's just something fun about pushing minis on maps. Yeah. I yeah I really like that too. To me, um, I like to have something concrete. I'd like to have something really like okay, this is where you are, and now you know exactly, you know what's by you. Can you take cover over here? Mm-hmm. And you don't have. To, I mean, of course, you can just. There's can no asking up, the DM but... and the DM having to decide. Right, right. It's you can tell because it's right there in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And I like yeah, the maps are kind of fun. I mean, there's yeah. little details on there that you wouldn't necessarily remember. Yeah. As a DM. Um. And then, so there are druids. Uh, on the hill. Yes. There are some blights. Yes. 
there are some barbarians who either sleep in the ground in cairns or are undead or something. I, I, from what I took away from it, they were hidden, like, I don't know if they're just, like, sitting there all day every day waiting for somebody to come <laughs> along by and then they pop out of the ground, or, or if they were just resting in some sort of camouflaged little hole in the ground on the hill or what, but... Anyway, but yeah, they're they're like specifically attached to cairns. Where and uh, if you don't know what a cairn is, it's a it's a type of grave marker, mm-hmm. small pile of rocks that marks a grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Strahd makes an appearance. Yeah. And uh, why why don't you go through? So we had a big we had the big fight in. Inside the Ring of Circles by the uh, Wicker Strahd. Yeah. Um, why don't you go through how the rest of that fight went? Uh, let, let, let's go through the end of the fight because you know we've kind of talked about the first part of the fight where yeah. it was just it was frustrating as players. Um, there was a lot of. Okay, I know according to the map I'm in the next square from this guy, but does that mean I'm in melee range? Can I get into melee range without using my action to move? Yeah. There was a lot of that. And it was a lot of judgment calls on my part that trying to, like, make it flow. I think I kept having to, like... Yeah, just it was just a mess. Mm-hmm. I was, I was trying to keep the game moving forward, but also getting bogged down a lot. Yeah. So... Um, so anyway, Strahd, I think, um, this is maybe the second, first or, uh, I think the second time that he's appeared in the game that I've run. So he rolls up on his nightmare, yep. Cephalus. Um, uh, black horse with the flaming mane and tail and around the, uh, hooves because, as Meg likes to say, Strahd is extra as fuck. Yeah. No, he totally is. I mean... And we both play him that way. You have to. I mean, come on. Strahd. So, he rolls up. I had a lot of fun. Um, I had never experienced the, the his nightmare before that he was riding on. And uh, was really excited about some of the advantages you get mm-hmm. um, that Strahd got by riding his nightmare. And so... Um, he rolls up and he's overseeing kind of at first um, this ritual that's happening on the hill, yep. and then um, the party, yeah, decides they they got to interrupt this ritual that's happening. And how I ran it was that Strahd defended, or was attempting to defend the ritual from not being interrupted, and so he uses you know all of his powers and advantages to basically. Um, and at first it's going really well for us. Yeah. Um, and then we get to a point where we've defeated most of the druids and barbarians. Mm-hmm. But um, my bard doesn't really have much in the way of healing. Mm-hmm. I can heal wonderfully outside of combat, but in combat I'm kind of garbage at healing. Yeah. Um. But the paladin and the cleric, they they have heals for days. Yeah, yeah. Um, they went down. 
And then our monk went down. Mm-hmm. And then what you do at that point, when half the party is down and all of our healing is out... So, unbeknownst to the party, is while they were doing this, um, Strahd had called for some backup. And right right after every you know all the healers had gone down um about like 30 wolves show up and at that point we're like you know i was ready to keep going because i i was just like in the moan in in the zone yep you, you were playing strong like, let's keep going let's you, do this <laughs> and then um, um I, I don't know if you you were able to read the table at that point, but everyone just kind of sunk. Yeah. And I looked at you, because you sit on, on, like, a higher chair, and you're... you're... I sit on my DM throne, <laughs> lording above the rest of the players. So, we, we play on your dining room table, and then you have this... I have a high, a high table, high it's chair. It's this, like, coffee table-sized table that's... Like, a foot or two taller than your dining room table, and all your stuff is up there. Yes. And I just kind of look up at you, and I'm like, Nick, this is a TPK. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I, I, I saw that, <laughs> that kind of turning. dawn on your face that you're just like, oh, I've killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Um, you you were just kind of focused on tactically playing. Yeah, no, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, we're gonna play this through, right? But once it was like, okay, no, like, there's only one way this could turn out if we continue. Mm-hmm. I was at half hit points, and my spells were gone. Um, I have my since I am a tiefling, uh, a tiefling variant from Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Uh, my cantrip is Ray of Frost, which we'll get into in a minute how I was fucking awesome with Ray of Frost. Yeah. Um, and I also have a Rapier and Dagger that I dual wield. Um, I was at half. Our Barbarian was... I think I she was remember. at like half? Probably. And then there was our Warlock who had just started taking hits, like, the round before. Yeah, our warlock tends to stay back, of course, because they're... Yeah, and then we had Ismark and Irina with us. Right. Which is kind of important. It is, very much so. And I say to to Nick, you know, this is a TPK. Yeah. And it had been going on for a few hours by this point, so we agreed to call it. Right. Well, you figured out... I, I think we ended the night on the idea that we were just going to rewind yeah. to before Yester Hill. Right. We talked about resetting back at the winery before heading towards Yester Hill. Yeah. And coming and doing that at the next game. Um, at the next session. Um, and then, kind of after thinking about it later, I was like... I thought it would be, again, coming back to the extraness that is Strahd, I thought it would be fun, rather than um, doing what we talked about, using it as a moment for Strahd to kind of humiliate Humiliate the party. Humiliate the party, yep. And allow them to live. And take Irina. And and get his bride. So that's what we ended up doing. But anyway, what was, so let's hear about your experience. So... 
when I was playing it, uh, I had the same difficulty with the map, and what I ended up deciding was uh, if the characters used their, both their, you know, their movement action and the normal action to move, um, they would move three squares every two rounds, hmm. which is more than they should have been able to do, but it's what I did. Yeah, you gotta figure something out mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, and our cleric that we had was a circle of the grave cleric who worshipped the Raven Queen uh, yeah the Raven Queen and I don't know if you know a lot about 5th edition cosmology very basic stuff so not a lot of details uh, the Raven Queen controls the Shadowfell she was the queen of the Shadowfell. And Barovia is a pocket dimension inside the Shadowfell. Yes, I knew that much. So what I had was... Um, so did you did you see much about the bloody spear of... Or the blood spear of Kavan? Yes, I remember that. And I was planning to, to introduce that, but... Do you know where it's located? It's like located half halfway down the map. Yeah, um, yeah, halfway up the hill, which is a fucking huge hill. And it's like in a different direction from the from where any good place to put the battle would be. Right. So I had the spear start telepathically calling to our cleric. Yeah. In secret, I, I was using roll twenty, and I pulled up my Discord and was talking to the cleric and I'm like hey you hear this voice in your head that's telling you to come to this spot that's something that I think would be cool about using roll 20 and discord um, versus like you know in person so in in person what you could do is you could either text us or like path notes yeah um but yeah no so the Read the following text to... Okay, so it says, The spirit of Kavan, a long-dead barbarian chieftain, reaches out to one of the characters, preferably a barbarian, a druid, or a ranger. So actually, that's something that Cat uh, might end up hearing, since we're not too far away from Yester Hill right now. Yeah. Uh, you hear a whisper, a deep voice carried on the wind. Long have I waited, it says, for one who is worthy. My spear hungers for blood. Retrieve it and rule these mountains in my stead, just like the mighty warriors from the early days of the Whispering Wall. Oh, yeah. And so the cleric spent almost the entire fight getting the spear. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I had straw to ride by, and then... So things about a thing about uh, him and Bicephalus, they can fly. Mm-hmm. So I had him just, like, fly off. Um, and I did it with the whole Bocephalus continues to gallop and then gallops into the air and off. Yeah. Um, and, like, at this point, my party had encountered Strahd, like, three times. Okay. Um, what I do is I, I kind of pepper encounters with him. Um, like... So when they were crossing the bridge out of Barovia near Castle Ravenloft, he was there, mm-hmm. and he just used his cantrips. 
Because they do like 2d10 damage. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, all he needs that's to all do. Yeah. Uh, and then they did the church in Velaki, where he attacks. Okay. Um, which we missed. Um, and I don't think we're going back to Velaki. I don't <laughs> think so. Based off of choices that have been made in Velaki. So Strahd and Bocephalus rode off. Yep, they rode off. Hill. Um, because I knew if Strahd stayed there, it'd be an easy TPK. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be a hard fight enough. Um, just like in our game, they did not stop the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up having a fight with the tree right before it got to the winery. And that was the moment where... So they, my group thought the tree was super easy. And I'm like... Because they had killed it in a round and a half. Mm. And I was just like, you, you realize it has like 160 hit points. Yeah. You did almost 200 damage in a round and a half. Yeah, that's... And then they're like, oh. <laughs> so... They must have been rolling good. They they rolled good. I think the paladin um, got a critical hit and used some of his um, divine smites and just like they lit that tree up. Yeah, right on. And in my game, it was quite a bit of a different experience. <laughs> I soloed that tree and won. Yeah. I don't know what you call that, that strategy of keeping your distance. It's called kiting. There you go. So you were always outside of the range of the tree. Yep. And, within uh, range of your... Within range of Ray of Frost, because mm-hmm. that is a 60-foot range. And the tree... So I was able to figure out... So here's the thing about Ray of Frost. It's something I love about Ray of Frost... This is the only time that part of it has ever come into effect in any game I've ever played. Ray of Frost does damage and slows the creature down by 10 feet. Oh, yes. Until the start of your next round. Yeah. So it was always just <laughs> I out slowed of... the tree. It could not physically get to me on its turn. Yeah. Which was kind of frustrating <laughs> as a DM playing the... Playing the tree, the, you know, this giant tree blight that's, you know, super hardy and can cause a lot of damage, and did cause a lot of damage at the winery. Um, but this little fucking pest <laughs> was running around, you know, causing enough damage and staying out of it, staying out of range. It's AC, I think, is only like 13 or 14, mm-hmm. and I have a plus, like, 10 to my Ray of Frost. Yeah. So it's like, as long as I don't critically fail, I'm going to hit this tree, and it's not going to be able to hit me. Mm. I, it cannot get into range of me. Yeah. It was a very effective strategy. Under <laughs> I could tell it frustrated you, but you're just like, no. like I mean, what? yeah. It's how the rules it's work. What it is. is what it is. And, uh, yeah, and so, I mean, I don't know if your party in your game 
uh, ever interacted with the the true the Gulpius tree on the other side on by the other that entrance. is the tree that I used is the Gultus tree. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the wicker strad was just a thing. Okay. Uh, it was just kind of a piece of set dressing. So the Gulthus tree is the one that's supposed to walk around. Oh. I guess I read it. I don't know why I thought it was that the Gulthus tree, like, forms out of the statue of Strahd, but that's how I played it. Yeah, I mean, you played it fine. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those things that we mentioned in the first episode, where it's really interesting when two people can read the same thing and run it completely differently. Yeah. Well, hey, they both worked. They both worked. And we're fun, so... Hey. <laughs> That's your main role, right? Yeah, that is the main role. Um, as long as the DM has fun. The DM also has to have fun. That's true, yeah. Um, that That is for all of you players out there. Your DM is not there to be your fun-making monkey. He's there to have fun as well. Yes. Yeah. Or she. Reciprocate to your DM the fun. Don't be dicks <laughs> to your DM. Follow Wheaton's law. Don't be a dick. There you go. Um, so, one of the... One of the annoying things about Yesterhill compounds the map problem is the tree starts moving on round 10 mm. if you're not if you're not able to stop the ri druid's ritual mm. um so they've got this really giant map that it's really hard to traverse and there's a clock that they don't know about yeah yeah you're players have no idea really what's coming they just know probably something fucking awful is about to happen they um, stop it so how would you fix the map uh, and that that timeline and that uh countdown like what what would you do i mean like i think just for like practical purposes i would have just made it i would have made the the hill way smaller and just shrunk everything down into, like, man a manageable size. Or maybe uh, just narrate until they're almost up the hill. Like, just ha have that first part still in narrative time scale, and then go into combat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Um, just to make it smoother and less confusing... And well, definitely you want to put the map in the normal five foot square yeah. scale. Yeah, absolutely. So I think doing that is like you're like ninety. You fix ninety percent of the issue. <laughs> Except that it's just you have a massive map. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? So, I would definitely do that scale, and I'd either do what you were saying, or not make it a 10 round countdown, make it like a 15 or 20, mm. because when they stop up in the top corner and have to travel to the middle of the map, um, like, without allotting any rounds to combat, it can take them 10 rounds to 
get to the ritual. Yeah. So either make it more rounds for the ritual to take, start that, or, or start it later. Mm-hmm. Start that countdown later, because that tree... I think that tree would lose a lot if the players didn't recognize, maybe even after, that they had a chance to stop it. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they had a chance at any point. It's not fun. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And so I remember what we did was, so we came back the next sec- next session because mm-hmm. the tree hadn't made its appearance yet by the time Strahd was basically killing yeah. you guys. We came back and um, Strahd allowed you all to live, and the tree, and then the tree appears, and Strahd, you know, he leaves at that point, and you guys are, and he leaves with Irina at that point, and you guys yeah. are left as a devastated party, and you have to like run away from this tree that's now chasing you. Yeah. So what I I quickly figured out the um, the Ray of Frost thing. And here's the thing. I didn't really remember the stats of the tree. I didn't remember how fast or slow it walked. So it's just like, hey, can I spend a round or two just watching it move? Mm -hmm. So I can get an idea. Mm -hmm. And then I said to the party, you know, go try, you know, go to the Martikovs, take everything that they that they can carry out. Um, And then... The tree ended up destroying, like, half the winery, mm-hmm. but we had already removed a lot of the barrels, a lot of the the bottles. They still had the tools to make more, like, all told, like, w- once we get back to them next session with the second of their three gems, like, I think a couple months and they'll be back on their feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll be able to to grow the grapes again that they need. So that's mostly what they need. Um. So, any other differences between? Uh, with and... that fight, um. Oh, I had the barbarians and druids pop out of their cairns, and so the party fought them like a couple at a time. And it was just a really big spread out fight where there were times where there were fights happening like two or three hundred feet from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that some of that happened with us too, uh, being so far away from each other. Because it's so big. Yeah. Yeah. So, going to this map, um, that circle that we mentioned. Uh, the boulders are five squares apart, and at a space of two hundred and fifty, or sorry, fifty feet a square. That's two hundred and fifty feet just of the circle itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I had, I had players that were like ten or fifteen squares away from each other in small fights in my game. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean somebody goes down and the healer's 500 feet away or I'm not 500 but far enough away that actually at one point I think the I think the cleric got up to like a thousand feet away from everyone else Jesus yeah 
Yeah, so... Like, she got back with the spear, like, the second to last round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, again, like, I think shrinking... I think shrinking the size of the hill down. For me, at least. I mean, it it takes away some of the, you know, realism, realism mm -hmm. I guess, of it, but it just would make it flow a lot. It would make more sense in terms of your movement mm -hmm. and, you know, how how close you are to each other and stuff like that. So. When you guys uh, end up watching this, it might be two episodes. Um, if it is two episodes, I will uh, record a quick beginning uh, for that. And um, thank you all so much for watching or yes. listening. Thank you very much. Uh, again, if you are on YouTube, uh, do the YouTube things. Uh, like, subscribe, share, comment. Um, do all the things. Do all the things. If you're watching this on podcast, yay! <laughs> um, I don't know Ooh. what podcast things there are. Do them if there are any. Uh, if you would like to get this as a podcast, um, we're not quite sure yet where, at least the time of recording where we're, it's going to be. It should be in the description. Um, but, you know, definitely go over there. Check us out there. We have a Patreon. Um, Patreon.com slash two white dudes with beard. Two more white dudes with beards. Two more white dudes with beards. Uh, there's going to be a link in the description below as well. Uh, if you think we're worth it, we'd very much appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. And any support that we receive is going to come right back into making this yes. a better show, um, a better listen. Our, our our first goal is to just cover the cost of hosting. The next three go four goals after that are uh, to get people to professionally edit, because so far I'm doing the editing, which I can do, and that's fine. But I'm doing the editing. Yeah. Um, and then... Which is not an easy task. No. And then we've got a couple goals after that um, for just us being paid for the time we sit here. Mm -hmm. Which we're, we're perfectly fine at the moment not getting paid for that, but hopefully someday. Yes. And I think... Um... We'll get into... We're not just going to be talking about D&D. &D. We're not. We're going to talk about a range of other things. Um, Left-leaning nerdy stuff, right? Yeah. So... Well, because that's who we are. We're that's left who we are. We're left-leaning nerdy folks. And I think there'll be some more, some more spicy conversation coming. There will be. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Make sure to tune in next week for either the second half of this episode... Or the special Halloween episode. All right. Thank you.